Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. As a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, just everyday Joes and Janes, of which this podcast is just one of our many initiatives. So thank you for joining us here. One of our other initiatives is community building for writers. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> so save the date. November 30th, we are going to have an in-person hangout. We're going to chill. We're going to chat writing. We're going to chat life because it's me. I'm sure there will be a game of some sort because I am socially inept and crippled. Wow. I don't I don't agree with that. But <laughs> yes, November 30th in Los Angeles. If you know LA, it's in mid-city. It's going to be a great hangout. I'm so excited we're finally doing this. Yeah. If you're there, pitch Tasha your ideas. <laughs> Only pitch them if you're expecting notes. <laughs> I will have thoughts. No, we're just going to have fun. It's great practice, by the way, because we get a lot of people who are like prepping to go to Austin Film Festival and they're like, I have crippling social anxiety and I have no idea how to network. This is a safe place to do it. You just yeah. practice on us. We're not going to judge you if you're awkward. I'm extremely awkward, guys. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> Use us as the anchor. Come say hello. <laughs> I'm sure Tasha's going to bring name tags or something. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> People need <laughs> name tags. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They actually are helpful. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to wear my name tag. <laughs> okay, Josh. Yeah. I'm off coffee. And I think it's important that you know this. What? Because, Yeah. I'm off coffee ever since Hawaii, where they have the best coffee I've ever tasted. I'm off coffee, but today I had half a cup because I, I needed it. Today is an exception. And so I'm just preparing you and the listeners for this is the Tasha that we're getting today. I would just like to take a pause in the Act 2 podcast to further dive into this development because I feel like as writers, coffee is an important part. And when I talk to people who are like, oh, I don't drink coffee, I drink green tea. Like, what? Mm. tell me. So what happened, Tasha? You were in Hawaii. You had magical Hawaiian beans and you were like, yeah. enough, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> kind of. I was like, uh, because I am the kind of coffee drinker that needs to add a lot of sugar to their coffee. Mm -hmm. And when I was in Hawaii, I didn't need to do that. It was delicious, gorgeous, beautiful coffee with just black. And then I come here and... I just don't want all that sugar first thing in the morning. So I just stopped. I just drink water now. What if I get morning. you Hawaiian, like fresh Hawaiian beans? Like good, like good ones. Because we brought home like, like macadamia nut vanilla flavored yeah. ones. And that's, that's, that's delicious. But it's not like, I don't know. There's something about their coffee, man. Is Paul drinking it? Paul's, Paul's, st Paul's still going strong. Yeah, good. Jesus. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm on my third and a half cup right now. No way, just water for me. <laughs> See how that works. Okay. Yeah, that's good for you. All right. All right. So my mom, who listens to this podcast, Joshua, as you know, thank you, mom. Yeah. You're our Hi. biggest fan. She once texted me that, hey, your this week in writing is longer than your actual topic. Like, you should see about that. <laughs> and to be fair, the this week in writings are more interesting to me than a lot of our stuffy topics. So I'm kind of okay with that. So this week, I thought we would just do an entire episode of this week in writing. I love that. Let's do it. 
this, we can write in. I know you have you have a lot to talk about, but the thing is, with the This Week in Writing, I feel like a lot of times it's things that we need to talk about as screenwriters and they're topics that are kind of bundled into smaller things that can't be talked about for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. They're like little 20-minute 20, 20 segments. It's not a full episode. 15 mm-hmm. minutes sometimes, 10. But they're like sometimes the most interesting parts about our job. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I feel the same way. We should have named it the most interesting part. Are we just jumping in? Should I, should I go? I, I, I have so. I have I have a lighter thing that I want to just bring up, just to okay. kind of get this off on the right foot. Go. The Marvels, the movie. Yes. It came out on Friday. Yes. Are you going to see this movie? Yes. Immediately. No. Do you have Marvel fatigue? Yes. Okay. I don't know why I feel like I'm questioning you right now. <laughs> Are you going to see it? I am. I will have seen it by the time this podcast comes out. Mm. Okay. Opening weekend. Open. I'm seeing it opening weekend, but I'm not really excited at all. And I have mm. a feeling we're at the end. I mean, this has been talked about a lot, but I was just thinking in terms of Marvel and bigger picture of Hollywood and what this means and superhero movies and if things are transitioning. But I did get to think like in the Marvel movie, it's um, obviously um, Captain Marvel. And then the two other characters were from TV shows or streaming shows that were on Disney, uh, Miss Marvel and uh, WandaVision. That's what it was. But my point being is this this seems like a significant moment. This is like a movie star kind of merging with these two other stars that were in streaming shows Mm -hmm. coming together in a big Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. Should be very pivotal. Doesn't this seem like a big deal or am I just... Is everything merged? I'm overthinking it. No, I don't think you're overthinking it. That's a really great point. It's it's kind of incredible, actually. I just, I didn't actually watch Ms. Marvel. But right. I, no. I want to. It's just, like, the trailers looked like they were for people younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's true. Have you seen Ms. Marvel? I, I, I have seen a few of the episodes. Is it geared towards, is it like YA almost? CWS at some moments yeah it's definitely geared towards you know like teen angst and teenagers at moments which is fine like I can obviously watch those movies and still relate to characters if they're done well but there's just something about that one that felt like oh like that's not made for me um so I, I don't need to rush to go see it but you're absolutely right like the combination of a big star combined with these two tv tv stars to kind of like unite these universes is is a huge deal I I have a thing, and I don't think anyone else seems to have this thing, but I have a thing where Captain Marvel is billed as, like, one of the most powerful superhumans in the universe. Why is she sharing a movie with two people who seemingly have similar powers and can go toe-to-toe with her in a fight? That just completely diminishes Captain Marvel and makes me not want to see it because she's just like everyone else in that mm-hmm. sense. I had the same feeling with Iron Man and Warmonger, which apparently people don't share, but I'm like, why? He's just, if anyone can just wear the suit, why do you fucking need to be Tony Stark then? Why? I hate it. Wait, who's Warmonger? Are you sure that's his name? War Machine? War Machine. War Machine. There. Okay. <sighs> same difference. I don't know. I don't I, we're, we're off track. Like, I just, we're, we're, see, the fact that we don't even know the answers to these kind of scares like me. I don't know. 
Okay. Let's just jump into something with substance. Okay. So I got a new job. Or I should say, potentially I'm going to get a new job because the deal's not done yet and a million things could go wrong. But I thought that the way that I got this particular job was very interesting <laughs> and worth telling a story about. Mm. Okay. So before the pandemic, I met with an animation director who was directing a movie at a major studio. It was an animated movie. And it starred a Chinese person. And so he was very adamant about getting a writer on board who was of Chinese descent to tell a more authentic story. And he shares agents with me. And so my agent naturally was like, oh, you need a Chinese writer who writes in genre? Here you go. And so I met with him on the studio lot, got to see all of his operations of making this animated movie. And this was far before I had Tomb Raider or really anything, to be honest. Like, I think I'd written Red Sonia, but there was no idea. Like, we didn't have a director or anything yet. Maybe I actually I, I hadn't written Red Sonia because I got that during the pandemic as well. So this was very, very early. Um, I, had no, I had nothing to my name, as it were. But he really loved my sample. So he really pushed for me to meet with the studio and convince them that I should be the writer of this big genre animated movie. I met with them and they the the executives were very unimpressed by me. <laughs> I just, they were I could tell in the meeting that they were like, who is this person? Why do we care about her? She's done nothing. And I left the meeting. This was the first time this had happened to me. My agents followed up with these studio executives and they said, yeah, she was cool. She's nice. We really need another sample to like believe that she can do it. To convince us that she can do this job, we need another sample. And so we sent another sample. They clearly didn't like that one enough to, to trust me with a big movie, which I get. I was a big nobody. So I didn't get the job, but I stayed in touch with this director during the pandemic. When I got the Tomb Raider job, he texted me like, congratulations, those kinds of sort of connections mm -hmm. over the years and then cut to a month or so ago i get an email from my agent saying hey this director has a project set up at this other studio and he wants to send you his deck for it like his pitch for it and see if you're interested and i read it it was amazing it's exactly what i love to do and so i met with him and he said I'm trying to push your name, but the studio execs on this one are trying to send me all these different names. Like they have all these ideas of who the writer should be on this, but I'm telling them I want it to be you because he remembered back in the day how much he loved my sample and has wanted to work with me. So he said, I need, I'm going to have you meet with the studio exec and I'm going to push them from my side to tell them that you're the, the only person I want to do this with. I was like, great. Like, that's a huge deal. Thank you so much. And the way it, I thought it was going to go was I meet with the studio exec and I have to pitch myself. I have to pitch ideas that I have for his show. And then I probably meet someone else, like a couple people along the way. But instead what happened is because this director was so adamant, plus my agent set the executive a script of mine that this time they really loved, just so happened. I don't even know what spec, like what sample it was. Could have been the same one they sent the execs years ago, <laughs> and they just happened to hate it. But this this woman happened to love it. So I hopped on a call, again that I thought was a pitch, and instead it was like, "Hey, you got the job. I just wanted to make sure you weren't a robot." I was like, "Wow, oh. <laughs> great." So 
I feel like that story is important because it really illustrates a lot of what we talk about all the time on the podcast, which is that relationships are so key in this business to eventually getting work. And that's, yeah. this is a genuine relationship. I, I love this director. I think he's super talented. He's so kind and so funny and so He's, he's a friend at this point, right? Like a, a colleague friend. And um, and so, I'm sorry, you, I think you said you guys were periodically in touch along the way. Yeah, like he yeah. had a daughter. We would have a Zoom every now and again, just be like, hey, what are you up to? And what are you working on? Okay, well, hopefully we get to work again. <laughs> yeah. So this is awesome. Congratulations. Uh, it, it does highlight the importance of connections and the long game and just getting yourself in that mindset of all right so if something doesn't happen it doesn't yeah. mean it's not going to happen down the road yeah because cut to flashback of tasha then when i met with those studio execs and they didn't like me and like didn't like my sample i definitely spiraled for a while thinking like oh god if i yeah. can't if this if i can't get it there's no way i can get a studio movie if I can't even like nail this <laughs> this meeting, but it was a door closed for another one to be open. I love it. There have been, not to that extent, where I've gotten a call and someone's been like, hey, surprise, you're, yeah. you're writing something. Um, but there's been a few instances where I've I had meetings that I didn't think went well. And then so, for somehow life just connects you back with someone for some reason. It's hard, I, it's hard to like pinpoint how these things happen. But then... Out of the blue, someone talks to you and they're like, do you want to take a stab at this idea? Uh, yes. Do you want to think about this? Yes. Thoughts about I feel this? like that's happened to you a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. didn't It didn't result as cool as your stories, but... Um, Not yet. It happened. No, it just happens. I mean, it's so yeah. weird how... Listen, I know you're still in Hawaii mindset, even though you're not Trying. drinking their coffee, but... Yeah. You got to let go, let flow, man. That, yeah. that aloha. Put the trust. If you're putting in the work... It'll 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 pay off. I agree. I think. <laughs> you can't you can't do that at the end. <laughs> no guarantees. Might not happen. Life sucks but and it's maybe. hard. But yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's crazy right now. Crazy times. But this is this is all. It just it reinforces this idea that things don't go away. And yeah. I've had people call me and been like 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 a producer who's been on a script that I thought was just dead. And then I'll get a call from him and be like, hey, are you cool if I, um, you know, send something to someone? Like, it's like out of a blue, mm -hmm. like a year later. I'm like. You get a lot of those, I feel like. Yeah, because I think your stuff sits with people, even though they like can't do anything with it in that moment. No. Like, they, they know that it should be an easy sell. So, like, they're just waiting for their moment. I feel like you've gotten a lot of calls like that. Thanks, Tasha. It's true. It reminds me of a Scorsese quote that I'm going to butcher, so I'm not even going to try. But he cool. basically says, I'm not the best director there is. I'm just the most patient. Like, I've, everyone else has just <laughs> left the business and I've stayed around. Totally. And I think that's a good reminder because I know, and I know you know, a lot of people who have given up along the way because there is so much rejection on this path to success. But as these two stories illustrate, it's just part of the deal. It's not indicative of you not being able to hack it. It's just part of how it goes to get bigger things. I agree. And I, we've talked about this a million times. It's like, I'm my personal mental place is like, oh yeah, I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going and going like Michael Myers. You just keep coming back. 
<laughs> um, what a comp. <laughs> so, Kata, this is actually a little bit of a good transition. There was a spec that I've been working on. I was mm. working on. And remember I would talk about the spec that I had, which you've read the first act of. And I was having so many problems with the opening, like mm. act one. And I just kept writing and then I'd go back. This is sci-fi one? This is the kind of, yeah, yeah. There's a little okay. sci-fi element. So I decided to revisit this because I'm, wa- I'm actually waiting on some notes from the reps. Point being is this one spec has now turned into something where I'm like, man, I really love this idea. I really want to figure this out. And I always keep revisiting it. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to revisit it. Again, I read the first act and the opening. And I was like, just the first like 20 pages of it, meaning it, I, I just could not. I was like, there's something wrong here. I don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. I and I almost put the nail in the coffin on the spec. It was just like, I'm going to shelve this. I just can't. I, this is killing me too much. But you pushed through? No, no. That was, I put, I closed the computer the other day and was like, <laughs> I talked to Tasha about this. <laughs> so this is your, your spec check, cry for help? It's a little bit of a spec check, but it also was like that gut check of, am I putting my energy in something that I'm just stubborn about? Which I mm. think happens a lot with specs and ideas. That, I mean, this is something I was writing. I was like, at the beginning of the pandemic, or excuse me, at the beginning of the strike, I was like, I'm going to finish this in mm-hmm. two weeks. And now I'm like debilitated. And I, there has to there has to be some kind of message there of just yeah. kind of needing to move well, on. Well, remember our episode that happened right after I, I went to go write my spec and I came up with Acts 1 and 2. We did an episode about like the five stages mm-hmm. of screenwriting. Mm-hmm. You're just in that stage where it's shit and you're shit and you just need to get to the next stage. But the next stage exists on the other end of this, Josh. Or... Is it the final stage, which is acceptance? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll bring it up. I'm going to see you guys on Wednesday for writer's group. So maybe I'll bring it up. I mean, you came back to it for a reason. There's something in it you love. There's something there. You just haven't been able to find the proper way to convey the thing that you love. And so that's probably what's frustrating you. So maybe you need to scrap what you have and maybe go back to the like almost brainstorming the thing that you loved about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will help you be like, oh, the opening I have is totally wrong. I actually need to enter the story this way. That might give you new inspiration rather than trying to just like revise what you already have. That's what I'm trying to do. This is also the next thing where I feel like a lot of people could probably relate to this, where you write something down and you just get married to that idea. Yes. And we we even talked about, I think in the last episode of how difficult it is to let go of what you have and just get your brain in a whole new territory. Yeah. And I think you I actually think you're really good at that. But I like Bless you. You just locked into something and you just can't yeah. get out of it. It happens with specs pretty often, I think. Yeah. This is actually a great segue into one of my this week's in writings. Yeah. If you don't mind to like no. piggyback off of that. Because I'm writing something that I've let sit for a while, just like you. A few months have gone by. And then the person I'm writing it with emailed me last week and said, hey, so I think this entire thing needs to be refigured out, redone, the entire script. And I sat there staring at this email. My heart was racing. My cheeks got all hot because I was (laughs) pissed off. And (laughs) 
I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to do that. He is just panicking because he's had time to sit with it. Yeah. And I am not redoing things. It's so much work. It's too much. I'll just I'll just fix what's there. And I sat down with him to hear about his problems. And I realized he was right. Because as he brought up these problems, I couldn't deny that those problems existed. And I think when your writing does not actually solve the problem that someone is presenting to you, and there's nothing you can do to solve the problem, sometimes restructuring or rethinking is the thing you need to do. But the fine line is that only if that problem makes sense to you. So in this particular case, the problem was that the information in the script was spoon-fed to the audience because there are a lot of flashbacks in this script and the first in the first act of the script, the character says, I am this person. And then the entire script is just a combination of flashbacks plus current day stuff explaining how that person came to be this. Let's just mm. say the Hulk. Okay. It's not the Hulk, obviously, but the Hulk. I am the Hulk and then it's a flashback movie about how that person became the Hulk. And I think for some stories, that's a pretty, that's a fine structure. That structure makes sense. But for this particular story, the audience wasn't, earning anything they didn't have to think through anything they didn't have to pose questions that then get answered later on in your story so there's no engagement with the story itself and when that happens as i think we know from all of us watching a million movies and tv shows where this happens you just lose interest you kind of tune out because in this case my character was telling the audience within the first few minutes i am the hulk or whatever and then the audience then doesn't have to ask questions of your story mm -hmm. because you're telling them right away who this person is. So why am I watching it? And even though the writing was good, I think the scenes were really good. I think the dialogue was really working. The overall concept of how that story was being conveyed was just problematic. So I am now rewriting it. The entire story is different. Only the characters remain the same. And instead of finding out at the beginning who they are, I'm forcing, hopefully, the audience to ask questions along the way. Like... Why are they behaving that way? Why mm. are they making that choice over there? Why are they lying to their friends right now? And it's not until the end of the movie that you find out who they are. So instead of saying it up front, you're forced to go on a journey to figure it out. Point being, yeah. I feel like you can tell that's already a better story. For your brain to get in that territory, to just be like, I have to not blow this up, but just completely rethink this. Yeah. Did you do that while, while, while talking to the person you were talking to? Or was this a, like, how, what was that process look like? How'd you get there? Yeah. I think my instinct, which I have to resist often, is to just be like, okay, I hear the problem. I'm just going to go off by myself and fix it. Because I think what TV has taught me is that oftentimes the best ideas come from talking through things. Or at least I get better ideas when I hear more people speak about problems that, that exist, right? So we met and they, he voiced his problem. He also pitched potential solutions mm -hmm. and some of them didn't work, but I could understand through the solutions he was pitching what his true problem was because he started with like, I don't like it. I don't like it. It doesn't work for me. It's like, okay, well, that's not a note I can address. Yeah. <laughs> and, but in hearing like, oh, he, he, I can tell from his pitched solutions that he actually wanted the story to almost be like an onion that unfolds. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I think, again, it's another fine line where, like, I was determined to go into that meeting and, like, 
prove to him like a lawyer, like why this script didn't need to change. But then in hearing him talk, I could feel in like my writer gut that he was right. That because mm-hmm. I could see the movie in my head as he was pitching the solution that was just better. I could I could tell that that movie was better, and so I knew I I needed to pivot. That I needed to give the high ground instead of him. So I sort yeah. of let go of my argument and um, realized that it, I need to just do the work. And that's that's how. And then and then we left it with like, let's start a Google Doc with I'm gonna go do my homework and like refigure out what the general structure would be in super loose beats, like yeah, as loose as you can possibly imagine. Act one, act two, act three very basic beats of the A story. And then we're going to sit down and talk about it this week to be like, does this new general structure work? If it does, I'm going to go in and do another pass. Kind of like how Jeff Howard was talking about on, on the podcast when he came on with his interview of how you almost, you, you create layers to your beat sheet until, you know, do pass after pass until it forms full scenes with actual mm-hmm. character stuff going on in them. I think that's going to be our process. I love that. It's exhausting to even think about, but it'll be great. I've got kind of one more thing. Okay. So I wrote something. I kind of died. Like I, it was like we were sending it out right before the strike and then just went away, obviously, with strike stuff. And it was like, all right. Comes back. We're in a little bit of a new territory after the strike. And this spec kind of on the high budget territory in the action-y world. And I knew, I talked to my reps and uh, talked to the producer about it. And he was like, this might be tough right now because of the climate that we're in. I said, I totally get it. It hurt, but I said, all right, I got it. Well, kind of tying this whole episode together, I get this call from him just out of the blue. And he was like, hey, uh, someone at this one company is interested in, in the spec. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And they were like, and he said, um, you know, but would you change like the sexes and dynamics of certain people in this in this spec like they asked me to change it was kind of like a character change around like let's say Mm. it was a father son can we make it a mother daughter like there there were different things that weren't that hard but because of it was a lot it was just like a a tedious process and I was going back and forth of I actually thought about doing it because it was this this spec has been in my life for a really long time Mm -hmm. and it was to this point where I was like I've come this far I might as well just keep going as far as I can yeah. But then I caught myself, Tasha. Yeah. And I said, F that. I've worked this long on it. I don't want to keep doing this without, like, it, it, if there was without no guarantee for someone yeah. to, to to purchase this this spec. So. Yeah. Free rewrites when it's that much rewriting is, is a lot. Because it takes you away from stuff that could potentially earn you actual money, like specs and stuff that you're working on, too. Yeah. It just, it's, it's a lot. But this is all to say... I ended up finding a compromise, and I'm only bringing this this story this story up because if someone else finds himself in this position, this is what that compromise could be. Mm-hmm. It was writing out a little document of the changes that I would make and how those changes would affect the script and what mm. would change if we ended up needing to just so this person could get a visual, even though it was yeah. pretty clear. I don't know, but um. That was a compromise. And I'm just yeah. bringing this up in case anyone finds himself in this position. I love this idea. This is oh. genius, actually. Oh, really? I feel like you've opened up a whole new avenue for me that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, because usually if I feel like, oh, the time risk reward isn't high enough, like 
it's so enticing to try and rewrite this for this person because the carrot is too good for potentially getting this thing made with this new producer. If I yeah. just rewrite the whole thing, okay, I'll do it. Or no, I just, I don't have the time. I'm sorry, pass. Instead, you just do a document that's like, this is what I would change. Pay me some money and maybe we can have a conversation because this is a job and you're getting paid as a producer. You get a weekly salary and I do not. Yeah. Come on. I love well, it. Oh, wow. All right. I'm happy to hear that because, well, the other issue, and I think anyone who's going to write, a, if someone's going to find themselves in this position, I know it because I've been down, I've, I've changed specs before where, and what I'm current, the position that I'm currently in is the spec hasn't even been seen by a ton of people. It mm. was kind of limited before the strike. And then we just right. kind of pumped the brakes. So it hasn't gone wide. So why would I change it if it hasn't even gone wide? Correct. So then you find yourself in this position where, why would I, yes, why would I change this? Why don't I just write a document? And if- You're so brave. Brave. I No, yeah. I just, I was tired. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I Sometimes just bravery do. comes from unexpected sources, Joshua. Uh, you know, you just like, you're like, I've spent so long on this. And you could go either way. You're either like, yeah. all right, I'm going to keep going. Or, nah, man, I think this is the end of the road on this one. Compromise. Beautiful. There it is. So, it's the end of my story. I have more stories to tell. If I'm great. Please. You have the patience for it. I do. Please. Okay. So Paul and I were driving back from an errand this last weekend. The errand didn't go well. Our moods were low. And then we drove by this comic book store. I love stories that start <laughs> like this. <laughs> we drive by this comic book store that's near our house. And every time we drive by it, Paul goes, I want to go in there sometime. And so we stop at the light. He looks over. He goes, I still want to go in there sometime. And I said, today is the day, my friend. <laughs> so we cranked to write. We went into this little neighborhood comic book shop. We vowed to buy nothing because we feel like we've been spending money lately. So we go in and oh my God, moods instantly lifted. This place was like, we were kids at a candy store. It was amazing. They had arcade games. They had two cats named Pugsley and Shuri. Usually... Paul and I kind of feel like the staff of comic book stores. They kind of make us nervous. They make us feel like we have to be fanboys of comics or mm -hmm. don't even talk to me. But the girl who ran it was like super down to earth, clearly a voracious reader of comics. But we were also like, hey, we're kind of feeling like I want to read a detective story, but set in like a genre world, like fantasy or aliens or something. She's like, I got you. And she's like, this one, this one, this one. She's like guiding us around the store. It was amazing, but wow. the, it was great. But the this week in writing part of it, we definitely walked out, spoiler alert, with like a bag full of comic books, obviously. Yeah. But I got home. I started reading these instantly because comic books are obviously, they're so short. They're little tiny issues. These were a dollar each on some stand at the door and it felt very doable given like a busy weekend. And I left reading these feeling so inspired because I think comic books are really great because the writers and the artists of them take really big swings. Like you pick up a comic book, you know, this is going to be a larger than life character in a crazy world you've never seen before. And everything's going to be so out of the box. And I really felt like my brain was relaxing in this moment, opening up and like able to think bigger 
about my own stuff and about like the potential of what I can be doing. Because I think we get so trapped in this narrow field of what, what can sell or what people are looking for or whatever practical things, or um, we kind of suppress sort of our bigger imagination things because maybe they're yeah. too weird, but that's not what comic book writers do. They go bigger. And so it was great. My high recommendation for all of you is to go to a comic book store this weekend, even if you don't think you're a comic book fan, because here's the thing about comics now is that there's something for everybody. It's no longer just superheroes. They've got horror. They've got romance, hard-boiled detectives that are super grounded. Like they have everything. So go. Did you go in there just for inspiration or did you go in for, I'm going to... Find something that I can adapt one day, some hidden gem. Both. Yeah. Whenever I'm in a library or anywhere, like, it, yeah. I don't go into libraries often, but when I do. <laughs> yeah. Or bookstores. Yeah. Or bookstores. Yeah. Like, you're always looking for that one book that maybe got overlooked, and you're that one it's person true. who happened yeah, to you find found it. the diamond in the rough. Yeah. And it was in Wisconsin when I happened to go into my public library. Yeah. Didn't actually happen, but. Yeah, it's great. Okay, I have two more. I have two more. This one is going to horrify you, Joshua, because it horrified me. I'm scarred by this. I met a writer whose least favorite Indiana Jones movie is The Last Crusade. He puts Temple what? of Doom above it. He puts Crystal Skull above it. What? A movie we don't talk about in this house. And I said, why? I don't understand. It is clearly the best one. And he said, I don't like the father-son story. I cool. think it's cheesy. Really? What, did he have a healthy relationship with his father or something? Look, I don't know that situation. Maybe bullshit. he's bringing baggage. It is one of the most confusing things anyone has ever said to me in my entire life. Like, I can't even get into the point of view where that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't either. It, I, I feel like that's one of those things that he might just be trying to stew up some controversy. Is he a, is he a little Loki? Is he a, is he a fire starter? He tends, to, he tends to have opinions that might be a little on the outskirts, maybe. Yeah. That's possible. Is, is this the hmm. person I argued with at 82 about James Bond? It is not. Okay. It is not. <laughs> but I feel like if you had gone to my Halloween party and you had talked to him and he said this, it would have been a, it would have been a similar situation where temp tempers would have flared. I'm not proud. <laughs> I'm not proud. That's okay. not right. That's not it's that's not right. that's I don't think that that's just not right. I, no. I can't even really justify it with more Incorrect. of an answer. Incorrect. I'm sorry. Okay. My final thing yeah. is actually basically an advertisement for a different podcast, so I apologize. But Great. on Script Apart. <laughs> oh, I um, love Script Apart. They, they sat down with Zach. It's great. Um, yeah. Zach Kreger. I'm sure I'm pronouncing his name wrong, and I apologize, Zach, who wrote Barbarian. And because we did a script club about it, I found it particularly interesting where he talks about how he came about writing this movie because a big topic we talk about in script club is sort of what could have the inspiration have been for for jumping off point for for this writer to write this and he said he just sat down one day and he just wrote a scene between two characters that was just in his head and it was the opening scene of the movie which is this woman arrives at an airbnb and it's been double booked and she has a really both comfortable and uncomfortable conversation with the man who has double booked it, who is now staying there because he also booked this Airbnb. And he's like, at the end of the the scene, 
it was clear that Keith, the, the man who's staying there, is the killer. Absolutely, it's clear he's just conning her. It is a long con to get her down into the basement where there is a bed and blood and a camera. And so he's like, I don't like that. It's too obvious. So instead, and he just wrote, a naked woman comes out of the shadows and kills Keith. And he's like, that's a turning point. Whoa, that's crazy. What do I, what do I do now? Like, who, who is this naked woman? Why is she down in the basement? And then he had to write the rest of the movie about this crazy turning point he added in this moment. And I, uh, to me, that was like, I, <laughs> I wish I wrote this way. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's it's such like a clean example of inspiration that a writer can have that leads to like unexpected brilliance. The movie is just it's really well crafted. Um and I think that I just wanted to share that story cuz I loved it. I love that. Oh man, I this is this this again, this is something that's I think easier said than done is to subvert subvert expectations and if you're someone who's writing a spec or do anything or you're getting a you're going to pitch on something, whatever it is. Like, I feel as though, let's just say I'm writing an action movie and it's a, you know, oh, I'm going to have this opening. This guy's getting chased through the wilderness and people are coming after him. It, like, and then he gets on an airplane and flies away. It's like, okay, well, what, what's, that's, that's standard. What's the one thing that might not work here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the plane gets shot down and blows up and turns out the hero is, not even there some other per- like there's the, yeah. there's ways into yeah. doing that it's bold if you can get there and let your brain do it yeah i feel like it's a good writing exercise to just like if you don't feel like you can write on the thing you're you're actually writing on just like do a writing exercise where someone does something expected and then something crazy happens to them to change their status quo it's great it's so it's so cool that he he was able to to do that <sighs> said with no envy whatsoever zach None. Yeah. Do it. That's a good writing exercise. Great. It was great. Okay. That's it. Those are my this week's in writings. I loved it. It was so good to hear yours as well. I love this week's in writings. I do too. I feel like that. that's what we've talked about, that we would be talking about this no matter what. Yeah. If we were, this is, these are conversations that we have before you're not even on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Drinking rosé and eating pizza and talking about this week's in writings. Yeah. Quote of the day. Don't get discouraged because there is a lot of mechanical work to writing. There is, and you can't get out of it. I rewrote the first part of A Farewell to Arms at least 50 times. You've got to work it over. The first draft of anything is shit. When you first start to write, you get all the kick and the reader gets none. But after you learn to work, it's your object to convey everything to the reader so that he remembers it not as a story he read, but something that happened to himself. Ernest Hemingway, the greatest writer of all time. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act Two podcast is a production of Act Two, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Mm-hmm.